that's good. Let me read the scripture. It's in your bulletin if you have one at your hand there. Philippians 4, 4 to 7. One of the great texts in the entire Bible, I think, on how to lead the Christian life on a daily basis. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, I have to begin by saying that Kathy and I are really happy to be with you this morning. We feel right at home. We raised three young men here through their critical years of late elementary school, middle school, and high school with your significant assistance, which we truly appreciate. But speaking of home, Right now, we're serving in the community of State College, Pennsylvania, which is my hometown. I was born there. It's the site of Penn State University, as you know, which I graduated from that university. And we're ministering to international students on that campus. There's about 8,000. It's probably down a little bit this year because of COVID, but thousands of international students. We're ministering to them there. And don't you know, that I actually get to share the gospel quite frequently in the student union, which is the very building where God touched my heart with faith in Jesus in 1971. So talk about being at home. I'm at home in State College, and I didn't say a word about the football team. But as for a real working definition of being at home, I was driving around the community this morning just for a few minutes, and I came up with a new realization that home is where you raised your children. And that makes College Park our home. And really, that makes Wallace Church our home. So don't, you can debate me on that definition if you want, but I have a feeling that Kathy will agree. <laughs> she usually agrees with me even when I'm wrong. As I was preparing to speak on this morning's passage, my mind kept going back and forth between the promise of God, the purpose of God, and the people of Wallace. And I just, I thought of many of you, friends from years gone by, we, we were members here for nearly 13 years. You've supported our ministry now for, I believe it's almost 23 years we're entwined with this church, like it or not, but we appreciate so much your, your love, your encouragement, your prayers. It's not a business relationship. It's a family of God relationship to take his gospel to the world. And so I'm, I'm speaking largely this morning about thankfulness, about gratitude, and I wanted to start with gratitude to you. Now, I know this passage is all about thankfulness to God, He's the Almighty One. He's the one who deserves unlimited thankfulness. But your, this church, 
deserves a little word of thanks as well from one of your supported missionaries. We want to thank you for caring for our kids over the years. Wallace Church has a world-class Christian ed director, Melanie Brockman, and I think she's on the job right now. We love the Brockmans. They've meant a lot to us. I talked to our three grown boys, the youngest of whom is now 32 years old, and they talked about great leaders and great teachers. The name of Dee Griffith came up from one of our boys as somebody who had made a real difference for him. You know, there's a, a man here named Doug Cookson. I can't have a conversation with Doug without him mentioning somebody in the current youth group or the youth group of 10 years ago. He loves the teenagers of this church, and we love him for that because he meant so much to our kids. So it's loving you and, and giving gratitude to you for how you cared for our kids, but then you cared for our ministry. Really, Bridges International was sort of almost born here in College Park, and you all let us rent space in the old Wallace basement, and we paid a little bit of rent, but truth be told, not very much, and that was an awesome place to be where we could pray with somebody like Mary or, or hear her encouragement or all the others in and out of the office at that time, of course, Pastor Stephen Clark. It was almost always an enriching time, except one time, by mistake, I set off the security alarm by accident. And I am telling you the truth when I say it is the loudest noise I have ever heard, even to this point in my life at the tender age of 68, never heard a noise that loud. Raise your hands if you ever heard the old security alarm at the old Wallace building. No? No? There's a couple. Loudest noise you ever heard? Maybe. Well, it was for me. Anyhow, that was our only negative experience as Wallace has undergirded the Ministry of International Students consistently welcoming them when they come to worship services, offering space at the House of the Crossroads. It's been quite wonderful. And then I've got to just say this, caring about us as people. The best handshake I think I ever get is from Rachi Ngani. I don't think he's here physically this morning, but that handshake starts about here and comes into your very presence with a fabulous smile, and you have no doubt that Rachi is glad to see you on this particular occasion. That's the kind of love that I think back on in, in days of yore at Wallace. And Dorian, Kaylee, and Kenyon, just fabulous friends. We've been gone from this community for 14 years now, but you know what? I think our relationship, our friendship is just as vital as it's ever been. So we're giving thanks to you, and I think that's appropriate because, after all, this is a service that has to do with missions, and we're supported missionaries, and we want to pat you on the back. Last night, we took a quick survey of the seven churches that we've been members of in our 40, how many years of marriage? <laughs> you knew I'd do that, didn't you? Well, it's over, it was well over 40. Uh, and we've lived in four states, and we've been members of seven churches, but I have to tell you, don't tell the other churches that Wallace is our favorite church, for all those reasons I just noted. But the real recipient of our thanksgiving, as noted in Philippians 4, is our awesome, loving, providing, sustaining God, 
And it's everywhere in Scripture. Everywhere in Scripture. Words of thanksgiving. Even places you wouldn't expect to see it. It pops up. I guess my favorite thanksgiver might be David. King David, who wherever it was, he found a way to give thanks. And of course, he wrote so many of the Psalms. But coming back from a military victory, he danced before the Lord. His wife said, oh, you're embarrassing me, but he didn't care because God deserved that kind of worship and that kind of thanks. And then near the end of his life, David was not given the, the opportunity to build the temple, but he was given the opportunity to help raise the funds and the resources. The people of God gave beyond his imagination. And if you'll read in 1 Chronicles 29, the words of David celebrating the work of God and giving thanks to God. It's one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. So here we are to talk from Philippians 4 and to give a special underlining to the presence of thanksgiving. The passage we've picked out today begins with simple but powerful words. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Okay, well, well and good, Paul. Of course you're going to tell us to rejoice, but what was Paul's circumstance when inspired by the Holy Spirit? He told us to rejoice. He had as many or more challenges as we do. We think we have the real problems living in 2020, and we do. We have issues we've got to trust God for. But Paul, think about this. Maybe the least of his concerns was he was about to stand trial and risk possible execution. Of course, he had said to live as Christ, to die as gain. He wasn't so worried about that, perhaps, but he had two other big concerns, which he touches on earlier in the book of Philippians. Number one, he was being attacked by some preachers who were motivated by envy and rivalry. You know, that tore his heart out. And he knew about some major divisions in the church. Particularly, there were two women on, in this particular case who were not getting along. Paul addressed the problem and asked the others to help them mend their relationship. Philippians, written under duress, but talks about joy or rejoicing in some grammatical form or another, 15 times in just this one short epistle. So that's where we start. Rejoice, but rejoice in the Lord. If we focus on Jesus during this difficult year of 2020, we will have no trouble rejoicing, ultimately. If we don't focus on Jesus, we probably will not rejoice. The second point Paul urges us to demonstrate reasonableness reasonableness all around us in our society there's so much tension and nerves are frayed and social and political viewpoints are in conflict and being raised to a volume that i can never remember in my life but because the lord is at hand we are called to be the reasonable ones we don't have to agree with everyone but boy we are called to listen respect respectfully and respond cautiously and reasonableness is the rendering in the ESV but the new american standard talks about having a forbearing spirit 
And I thought about, well, I, I wasn't going to go to football, but I thought about what is a forbearing spirit. And I think a forbearing spirit is when the guy at the desk beside you in the office is a rabid fan of your team's rival. But not only that, he cannot resist reminding you on a daily basis what the score was in last year's game. So forbearing is when you maybe have a forced smile on your lips, but you're asking God in your heart, give me patience with this guy, and the Lord will. So after we're talking about rejoicing, we're talking about having a reasonableness about us, a forbearing spirit, then to get to the crux of the matter, the Lord reminds us through Paul not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And then he talks about thanksgiving. We'll get to that in a minute. But then concluding that passage with to let your requests be made known to God. So I heard, I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard there's more than 300 references in scripture to not worry, to not fret. More than 300 references. Well, that's interesting, but what does it really tell you? I think it tells you that our God of grace, who knows our weaknesses, can pinpoint that one of the biggest shortages in the human heart is the tendency to worry. Why does a mom have to tell her Eh, sorry kids, adolescent son or daughter on a daily basis, please pick up your room. Well, that's probably an indicator that said young person is not doing that on a very regular basis. So God in his grace again is pinpointing our need and giving us not only the admonition not to worry, but really helpful instructions on what to do instead of worry. And you see it there the various statements concerning the mandate to pray. All right, well, let me get real here. Um, my name is Bill, and I'm a worrier. I was a decent student in school, but I didn't enjoy school very much because I was always worried about the next exam. Um, I don't worry about everything, but I do worry about the things that are important to me where things are not currently going well. Those are the things I worry about. So here's really maybe the most important question I could pose to all of us and especially to me. Why do I spend so much time and energy doing something that has zero chance to make a difference, that's worrying. In fact, worrying, I believe, is usually counterproductive. Why do I spend so much time and energy worrying instead of doing the thing that Jesus promises will make a difference? And in Luke 11, I love his simple statement, everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And I understand all those verb tenses are in a continuing or all those verbs are in a continuing tense, which would imply, you know, keep on seeking, keep on kneeking, knocking, uh, and keep on asking. Asking, seeking, and knocking. 
May we resolve in the middle of 2020, the year of struggle, to make it also the year of prayer. And then we get to the key part about Thanksgiving. It's right there, kind of lurking in the middle of all these other statements about prayer or giving petition, but it's all with thanksgiving. And I've thought a lot, actually, in the last few months about, okay, what is the intrinsic relationship between petitioning God and thanking Him? And the thing that really got me thinking about it extra, an extra amount, I did an interview back in April with one of the top pastors in our community. He's a great man of God, loyal to the true scriptures and to reaching the lost. And I write an occasional column in a secular online magazine, and I thought, in the middle of April, how can I do anything but try to give hope to the people of our community as we're struggling with COVID, as our economy is declining, And I thought, I'm going to interview this pastor. I want to hear what he has to say to the people of our church. Little did I know that when I sent the email to his assistant asking for the interview, little did I know his own physical condition. And I found out within an hour of making the request through another channel that he had been infected by the COVID uh, virus. He went to Oregon, taught a seminar out there for church leaders and came back with COVID-19. So he was one of the first three people in our entire community to be, our entire county to be infected. And here I was making a request to him, would you please tell us how to have hope in the middle of all this struggle? If God in his sovereignty hadn't selected that interview subject, I will never know. Why? And so, as part of the interview, he, when I asked him, okay, if you were telling people in the community what passage of the Bible, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, where should you go for hope? He said Philippians 4, this very passage. And he said, we're told don't worry, but pray about everything. Pray with thanksgiving, pray with gratitude. And then he said, gratitude, thankfulness is the secret sauce of prayer. And he said, tell the people to practice thanksgiving. Tell them every day to make a list of five things, ten things, maybe a hundred things that they can be thankful for. I think I should just pass the assignment on to all of us. Every day, five, ten, maybe a hundred things. Tell us, tell the Lord what you're thankful for. So, just wondering, what is the connection? Well, of course, thankfulness is so appropriate. Does it somehow inform our prayers of petition? And I believe it does. I believe God loves to hear from a thankful heart. I'm not sure it changes his will in granting our request, but I'm sure it gives us a special audience of joy with the king when we thank him for the things he's already done before we complete our list of things we want him to do. And I also think by reviewing the things the Lord has done to bless us in thankfulness, we are reminded of his faithfulness. Our faith grows 
And perhaps our prayers are therefore even more effective. Well, there's a fifth point in this passage, and boy, this is the one we all yearn for during 2020. Paul says that as we pray about our concerns, as we express thankfulness, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So wow, it's beyond our understanding. But even as I've confessed that I'm a worrier, I'm going to tell you I've experienced this so many times. And for me, the classic situation is this. I go to bed, I'm weary. Something is worrying me. It might be a big deal, it might be a small deal. I've found when I'm physically tired, even a small thing can feel like a monumental problem. But there I am, head on the pillow, talking to the Lord about this particular concern. And I do feel heard, and I do feel this beautiful peace that passes all understanding. It makes a difference. And I know that God is going to work according to his will in response to my request. So, thankfulness. And I want to express before Almighty God three things that we are thankful for in our ministry. And I bet you that your fellow Wallace missionaries would echo perhaps all three of these items. Number one, I want to thank the Lord for giving us the opportunity to share the gospel with others on a vocational basis. I mean, we get, to, we get paid to do such an awesome thing is to declare the message of Jesus. And when you're working with international students, sometimes you're the first person who has ever explained, let's say, the concept of grace. Boy, I love to talk about grace to people who have grown up under legalistic requirements in, in religion or philosophy or whatever. So there we are with quite the opportunity to be your representatives on a campus that has, I don't know how many right now, but I'll say maybe 7,000 international students. We had a small little backyard party last night, uh, yesterday afternoon. There were just 12 of us there, but there were six nations represented plus the United States of America. So we had people from China, Mongolia, Indonesia, India, Ecuador, and Canada in our backyard. Outside, socially distanced, playing things like croquet, not playing basketball where you're in each other's face, but the nations are with us. And I have to say, decisions for Christ do not come on a super, super frequent basis. You're dealing with people who are super busy, who come from other backgrounds, other religions, but God in his faithfulness is always touching hearts to investigate the gospel or to meet Jesus. And I like to say, if you're a gold miner, and you found one nice gold nugget today, was that good enough? And I think when you're mining for gold, one nugget is pretty special. So my favorite gold nugget right now I'll tell you about is a student who came to our campus a number of years ago. We've done hiking, we've done basketball, we've done touch football, we've played that game called Settlers of Catan, which we learned about through the Wallace Youth Group when our kids were younger. We've had countless gospel discussions. We've had one-to-one. -one, uh, we've had group studies. And so, yes, he did declare his faith in Jesus in July. 
And I know it was real because he's got the kind of spiritual discernment in asking his questions and answering ours that I believe only the Holy Spirit could give. He'll leave Penn State before too long. I'm not telling you where he's from. Security is a very real issue with some of these students. But it's my prayer that this student will take the hours we've invested and apply them into the lives of other people as he's going to another foreign country uh, before too long. I want to close with one more area of thankfulness to the Lord. Not only the privilege of ministry, not only the privilege of seeing fruit born, but the financial provision that God gives is phenomenal. In 46 years of full-time ministry, I've had a lot of conversations with people that were interested in joining with us. And when they ask about finances, they always put it this way, do I have to raise my support if I come to work with you? Have to implies a lot. It implies a burden. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's challenging. But talk about the faithfulness of God. In 46 years, we're paid twice a month. You multiply 24 by 46, you get an answer of about 1,100 paychecks. And in our ministry, if your ministry account is in significant deficit, they will cut back on the amount of your paycheck because they don't want you to go further in the hole. How many short paychecks have we had out of 1,100? Well, either two or three. That says God is faithful. Missions is a great opportunity. You're the people who fund it. We're here on Thank Offering Sunday. My appeal to all of us is that we give great thanks to the Lord and one of the best currencies by which we express our thanks is in our offerings. I don't know what the record is for the all-time highest thank offering gift in Wallace history, and I don't want to be presumptuous at all because everybody's going to give how the Holy Spirit leads them. But wouldn't it be amazing if God in his grace could use a body in the midst of a difficult economy to give at a staggering level? And whatever the number is, we're going to give him praise and thanks. Thank you for allowing us to be with you today.